because I had myself turned off, that's why. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Dave McGuire. I'm a ruling elder here at Spring Meadows Presbyterian Church. Uh, I welcome you to Sunday School. Uh, today's topic, as you can see on the screen there, is going to be uh, modern-day Gnostics. So this is going to be a wild ride, folks. Strap in. Uh, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, this chance to uh, get together today and uh, to learn more about uh, you, about your world, uh, about um, each other, and about the history of your church. Uh, bless it, uh, bless the speaker, and bless us as we seek to worship today um, in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple of thoughts uh, before we begin. One is uh, that Though I've taken a long time to think about this and to put this all together, I'm not sure that there is a conclusion for this uh, for this lesson. And I, I'm going to try to get to one, um, but I I think a lot of this is going to be more of um, you know an introduction to this line of thinking and how this line of thinking has come down to us um, from uh, you know ancient days uh, to today and how it's sort of evolved and taken on. Um, I'm going to, okay, this lesson takes a hard left turn at the very end. Uh, and I, I know you're going to see it, um, and I want you to be prepared for it. It's, it's, uh, it's, if, if, if disruption is something that we seek out in, uh, in daily life, this is one of those disruptive type things. Um, number two, there's going to be lots of reading involved. Um, and so to that end, uh, a little note on the uh, handout is that it is my full outline which ironically contains some partial thoughts. So just so you know, there was a little bit of miscommunication and uh, the entire outline was printed off for everybody uh, and that is uh, just the fact. So um, I, to begin, I think a lot of times we, when we, want, when we seek to learn about something or we seek to learn about a period of uh, church history or uh, heretical thought or unbelievers in general, uh, we tend to, um, and I think it's a good tendency, to look towards experts of uh, our own persuasion. Uh, reformed folks who've written books, third, uh, third party, uh, to describe a particular line of thought, um, in this case, Gnosticism. Um, and so I had that tendency in the beginning of my prep for this, uh, and uh, a little bit about midway through, I decided, you know, I'm going to go back and actually read these Gnostic texts, like in their entirety. And I'll tell you, folks, it's a slog. They are not fun. They're not fun reads, um, and also uh, then I think you'll see a little bit later on, we're going to see some modern Gnostics in their own words. So first, a, uh, a, an introduction. What, what is a Gnostic? What is Gnosticism? So the umbrella term Gnosticism uh, typically refers to a disorganized collection of sects. There were often hybrids of Christian influences and older mystery religions common in Peguan antiquity. Um, so they, in the, the decades and the centuries after Paul uh, wrote m most of the New Testament, uh, this became a more prevalent thought, although some scholars would say that the first uh, Gnostics are actually present 
in or the, what they would call proto-Gnostics are present in the Old or in the New Testament. And I'd like to read a passage that sort of um, encapsulates uh, what uh, you know the, this, these folks are talking about. Uh, Acts 8, 9, uh, there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria. So the magic there, old mystery of religions, uh, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him uh, from the least to the greatest, saying this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. And when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them to Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you. And on. You can go ahead and read the rest of that passage if you'd like. Simon here is under a very mistaken impression uh, that the apostles have some sort of secret knowledge or access to uh, be able to give power or to lend power out from the Holy Spirit and access the power of the Holy Spirit, so, so some sort of mystical means. And so he was uh, uh, offering the money to, to gain that from them. And um, I think that at this point, we're going to have to pause uh, for a little bit to understand the first, you know, the, the ancient context into which Gnosticism was born. And I'd like you to consider this quote from our buddy Plato. Uh, All soul is immortal. For that which is always in movement is immortal. That which moves something else and is moved by something in ceasing from movement ceases from living. So only that which moves itself because it, is not, it does not abandon itself never stops moving. So this is the, the, chain or the, di the, the separation or the, the tension between the spiritual and the physical. Uh, the spiritual is that which moves, and the physical is that which is moved. So when the, the, the mover, uh, like when the moved thing stops, that's when death occurs, but the unmoved thing keeps going. That's the difference between the spiritual and the, the physical world. And this is another one from Plato's uh, Phaedo. And does not the purification consist in this which has been mentioned long ago in our discourse, in separating, so far as possible, the soul from the body, a teaching the soul the habit of collecting and bringing itself together from all parts of the body, and living, so far as it can, both now and hereafter, alone by itself, freed from the body as from fetters. The true philosophers practice dying, and death is less terrible that, to them than other men. They understand the difference between the spirit, which is of a higher form, and the material world, which is of a lower form. And that is spirit, uh, which is of the higher form, is, you know, if, you, if you grasp that, if you have that secret knowledge, then death isn't so scary to you. De de you, can, you can approach death as the philosophers do, because they are uh, the ones who have this, this secret knowledge, this gnosis. Um, for Aristotle, form uh, was the highest uh, w was the the highest f part of being. 
Um, it was the, the ideal form, like there, there is this form of human that exists outside of just the, the material world, and, but we are reflections or, or emanations of that form. In the same way, there is the perfect chair that exists, or the perfect thing that exists, and, but it exists as an idea um, above the material world and not uh, as a part of the material world. And anything that is expressed in the material world is somehow imperfect or less than the form. So this introduces us to the concept of soma sima, uh, which is, literally means body equals tomb. That, that, that is that the, the, the spirit is trapped in the body. The, the body uh, is, is the, the grave which holds the spirit in. And only when the spirit ca can be released, that is true freedom. That is the, the uh, approaching the highest uh, plane of existence. And you can see, so uh, you, you can see already uh, as with Simon, this secret knowledge, uh, with uh, Plato, that there is a separation between the spiritual and the physical. Uh, there is an, uh, a, an elevation of the spiritual over the physical, and that's the, the, the basis on which Gnost Gnosticism rests. So let's talk about the basic tenets of Gnosticism. Um, so first is, I think that we, we need to realize, as, as I said at the beginning, that Gnosticism is an umbrella term. It's not a uh, it, it's it's not a set of principles and, I, and an ideology that can be just uh, one to one compared to Orthodox Christianity. It's is very uh, malleable. It ch changed over time. Uh, the the creation myths within a lot of the different um, uh, Gnostic texts are are very different, and modern day Gnostics, as we'll see, uh, they they. Uh, they prize the the myth over the reality. Uh, so the myth itself is the most important thing. The, the truths which the that the myth communicates are more important than the fact that the Gospel of Philip does not have the same origin story for humanity as the origins of the of creation. Or I, I think that's what it's called. Um, so, in, like we've already talked about, there were there are a lot of uh, uh, Greek influences, Ro Roman influences. There's Persian and Egyptian, uh, even like sort of the those um, uh, Jewish mysteries uh, are are sort of folded into Gnosticism. So, as with many Greek philosophers, Gnostics said spirit is good and matter is evil. In creation, they argued, a being of pure spirit emanated levels of spirit outward, much like a rock dropped into a pond produces a series of ripples from its point of impact. These ripples or emanations produced the different aspects of the world we live in, and the closer the emanation is to the spirit, the purer the object. Physical things like rocks or the ground, uh, these things are um, the furthest from the emanation of God, the furthest out. And, but we as both physical and spiritual beings are slightly closer to God, and we're going to explore that a little bit more later. The world is flawed because it was created in a flawed manner. That's a quote from one of the uh, Gnostic sources that we're going uh, to look at. So we heard earlier uh, that soma sima, that, that the idea of matter being evil in Greek philosophy and Gnostic thought made Christ's in incarnation the most scandalous Christian affirmation. 
Uh, paraphrasing Bart Ehrman, Docetists took Paul literally when he said in Romans 8.3 that Jesus came into the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus only seemed to be flesh and blood human, but in reality, he was a spirit had, had merely phantasmal body. Fan yes, that's right. Um, so Docetists, now this is where we first get into, we've already talked about uh, Gnosticism being a, an umbrella term, but Docetists uh, ascribed to a heresy that said that uh, Christ only seemed to become human. And most Gnostics actually reject that. They don't, they don't really like that part. Uh, they they uh, ascribe to something called separationism, which is the second next thing we're, we're going to talk about in a little bit. But um, it, you can see that there's not a there, there's a wide level uh, or a, a wide berth of uh, of thought within that sub or within the subsets of Gnosticism. Um, so okay, so. Uh, Oh, the matter or materiality is the next uh, set. So Gnostics believe that matter, whether it be the physical universe or the human body, is evil. Uh, it is obvious that there's a great tension between spirit and matter in, in their thought, and this affects many of their beliefs, and especially the way they perceive God and the world's interactions with God. Um, this is actually a quote from the Acts of Peter and the Twelve Apostles, which is a Gnostic text. I hurried and went and called my friends so that we might go to the city and that he, Lotharguel, it is not important who that is, appointed for us. In a bond of faith, we forsook everything as he had said to do. We evaded the robbers because they did not find their garments with us. We evaded the wolves because they did not find the water with us for which they thirsted. We evaded the lions because they did not find the meat with us. We evaded the bulls, they did not find green vegetables. So this idea is we, we have forsaken the physical world. We, we are not reliant on the physical world and thus the threats of the physical world are not able to harm us. So how about their view of God? So God is wholly transcendent. That is, he is so far removed from creation, he had almost nothing to do with it. He did not create the material universe at all. Instead, the world was created by an ignorant, lesser, evil god known as a demiurge. Uh, this is from On the Origin of the World. Then the authorities received knowledge. Oh, I think that might be our first slide. Nope. Uh, then... The authorities received the knowledge, gnosis, necessary to create man. Sophia Zoe, she who was with Sabaoth, uh, had a, anticipated them, and she laughed at their decision. For they are blind against their own interests, and they ignorantly created him, and they do not realize that they, what they are about to do. The reason she anticipated them and made her own man first was in order that he might instruct their modeled form how to despise them and thus to escape from them. So there's a tension there between the creation of the world is an evil thing and the creation of, of man is a competitive thing whereby you know some men are taught to hate the rest of humanity because they are ignorant and fools. So humanity itself, Gnostics believed that human beings were sparks or droplets of the very same uh, substance or essence that comprises God. We are now trapped in our physical bodies, that's the soma sema, the body is a tomb, experiencing suffering at the hands of the gods of this world. So when, uh, when Sophia let a droplet of light, it flowed onto the water, and immediately a human being appeared, being androgynous. That's uh, it's interesting. 
that droplet she molded first is a female body. And this is from On the, Order, on the Origin of the World. So I want us to notice how far that transcendent God is from the, fi- the, the eventual emanation of man. You have first the transcendent God, and then a whole bunch of these sort of lesser gods that emanate from him, Jesus being one of them. And then you have this emanation from the least of those gods to humanity. So we are very, very far removed from that transcendent God. And I want just to keep in mind, this is a very important point. When I'm speaking of that transcendent God of the Gnostics, I am not talking about Yahweh. I'm not talking about God the Father. And we'll see that when we get uh, a little bit further. The fall for Gnostics uh, occurred before the world was created. Sophia, seen above in that creation story, also very important. Sophia means wisdom. Uh, made the mistake of wanting a child and did so without the approval of God, Uh, that child, as we'll see later, is the God who created this world. So how about Jesus? How do they view Jesus? In contrast to the Docetists, the majority Gnostic position was known as separationism. Jesus did have a material body, but his body and his spirit were two separate entities, such that no matter how many pains were inflicted on that physical body of Jesus, his spirit never suffered. And that's very important to the Gnostics, very because the physicality, materiality is suffering. Uh, and so though it is very important then that the, uh, that the, the spiritual world cannot suffer because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to transcend from this evil spiritual world into the, the or evil physical world into the spiritual world. Um, okay, so the, it's, a, a, it's a dualistic worldview. Uh, spirit and matter are categorically different. They are just different. They are separate. Um, Now, so if the physical world is evil, if the fall occurred before the physical world was created and the physical world is a a mistaken outgrowth of the fall, what is salvation for a Gnostic? Jesus, by descending into the material world and overcoming it by surviving the death of his body, the Gnostic Christ enabled others to overcome it and achieve a spiritual resurrection, gnosis, as well. As the Gnostic treatise on resurrection puts it, the Savior swallowed death. When he laid aside the perishable world, he exchanged it for an incorruptible eternal realm. He arose and swallowed the visible through the invisible, and thus he was granted, uh, granted us the way to our immortality. And really, it's only about understanding, achieving that spiritual separation from the material world. That is the, the Gnostic salvation. Christ came as, a, uh, uh, as an example to show us the way of how to uh, achieve, um, uh, achieve salvation over the, the physical world or that, that special knowledge, that gnosis. So that's when we're going to get into the ancient Gnostics in their own words. I've already done a little bit. Yeah. So I've already done a little bit of quoting from some of the Gnostic texts, but now we're going to dive a little deeper into w- what they actually believed and, and how, um, how it's, it's so far afield from Scripture. We were talking about this with uh, some folks. Uh, earlier, and we'll get into some o- other observations on the Gnostic texts. But um, you know, 
how they uh, talk about, uh, can somebody tell me how uh, the FBI trains folks to, to uh, recognize counterfeit bills? Studying real ones. Like over and over and over, they handle the real thing. And over and over and over, they are able to, you know, feel the, the weight of it and the texture of it and the look of it and the feel of it and the smell of it. And so when they have done that so much that they can't separate the, what is real from, you know, the, or the, it's, there's no doubt in their minds, then they hand them the counterfeit and they can, they can see it clearly. And that is my experience with these Gnostic texts is that when I read it in contrast with uh, scripture, um, there's no question. Uh, these, these items are, uh, th the writings are convoluted. Uh, they're, they're short. Uh, they are you know, missing large portions of text. They're very weird. There's lots of things about eight circles and, and the, the four, uh, you know, this and whatnot. And it's all sort of like, how in the world did you this uh, second century uh, person living in the m you know, uh, middle of nowhere come to all of this great and, and amazing knowledge outside of revelations from God. It's, it's very strange. Um, so the first ruler, and you'll see this up on the screen there, is evil because of the madness inside him. He said, I am God and there are no other gods besides me. Does that sound familiar? Uh, okay. Uh, for he was not aware of the source of his power. So in that you have the, he's a lesser God, he's an evil God, and he's an ignorant God. This is Yahweh. This is their, their view of God the Father of the Old Testament. There's a hatred of Yahweh and a hatred of the Old Testament that is at the very root of, of Gnostic thought. The names of, un, uh, of worldly things are utterly deceptive, for they turn the heart from what is real to what is unreal. Whoever hears the word of God, uh, God thinks not of what is real, but rather of what is unreal. So also the words Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Light, Life, Resurrection, Church. Um, this is from the Gospel of Philip, and it goes on. So we, we see here that true reality is the spiritual world that reality is not reflected in the, in the physical world, and that those things which you know, the, 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 the Christians hold dear, um, the, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, these are, are unreal things. Not only are they unreal things, but they misrepresent truth. Blessings on, <laughs> by the way, uh, but blessings on one who has seen you with him when he is proclaimed among the angels and glorified among the saints. Yours is life. Rejoice and be glad as children of God. Observe his will that you may be saved. Accept correction from me and save yourselves. I am mediating for you with the Father, and he will forgive you many things. When we heard this, we were delighted. We had become gloomy because of what we, what we said earlier. But when he saw us happy, he said, shame on you who are in need of an advocate. Shame on you who stand in need of grace. Blessings will be on those who have spoken out and acquired grace for themselves. This is from the secret book of James, and that's Jesus talking. So again, we'll, we'll talk about it. They're generally very short, these texts. 
they're 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 missing uh, you know broad swaths because you know there are only one or two extant copies, and they were mostly found either in uh, the cave at Nag Hammadi, or they were found uh, you know in uh, libraries uh, in the ancient uh, Near East, um, and they are not uh, generally well written. Um, they also uh, completely lack context, either historical or theological. And this is like, a, it's a really interesting thing. And I, Peter, inquired about the name of this city from residents who were standing on the dock. A man among them answered, saying, the name of this city is Habitation. Okay, they, that's where they live. That is Foundation, Endurance, and the leader among them holding the palm branch at the edge of the dock. And after we had gone ashore with the baggage, I went into the city to seek advice about lodging. A man came out wearing a cloth bound around his waist and a gold belt girded to it. Also, a napkin was tied over his chest, extending over his shoulders and covering his head and hands. This is from the Acts of Peter and the Twelve Apostles. So you can see this is not a real city. You can see as well that this is not supposed to represent a real leader of a real city because it's just talking about a man. In, in scripture, you know, typically they will give the name of the city, probably the name of the guy they're talking to. And these are real historical events that are cataloged and researched. And the Gnostic texts don't have any of that because it's not important to them. Remember what I said at the beginning. It is the larger truth that is expressed in the myth that is the most important thing. They don't care about, you know, the real actual physical locations or the people involved. Again, because the real actual f physical locations and the people involved are evil. So now we'll talk about, you know, let's go to modern Gnosticism in their own words. This is the description of modern uh, of Gnosticism by a bishop in the Gnostic church. I didn't know they had bishops, apparently. Uh, Gnosticism is the teaching based on gnosis, the knowledge of transcendence arrived by, at by way of interior intuitive means. Okay, so it's not an exterior, it's not a, a righteousness ex outside of our own, it's not alien, it is inside of us. It is that emanation, that spark of divinity that can help us get to the point where we have the gnosis, the knowledge, and that is the... Um, uh, that, that's what we see in, um, uh, well, okay. yeah, so that's what, how they, we see them perceive salvation, is that Jesus came in order to, you know, help us with that spark within us, that divine spark that we can then achieve this uh, knowledge. He goes on, you can, but that is actually the, the term myth should not be taken to mean stories that are not true, but rather the truths embodied in these myths are of a different order from the dogmas of theology or the statements of philosophy, right? So here we have dogmas of theology, which are, you know, the, the character of God rooted in like the fall of man, uh, who Christ is, like these real things which relate to the physical world. Um, and the and and God's creation of it, as opposed to these myths, which are the you know the the truths contained within there are much more important because again, physical world doesn't really matter all that much. It's only a prison. This is uh, the Gospel of Philip. Nope, was that it? Oh, no. Oh, all right. Um, but th although we've seen the Gnostic Jesus Christ was an important sense more otherworldly and less human than the proto-Orthodox Jesus Christ. This is, uh, again, from um, Einar Thomason, uh, who's a, a Gnostic um, uh, writer. Uh, so 
um, Jesus was a saved savior. Jesus needed to be saved like any other person. He achieved salvation when he was baptized and the heavenly Christ entered into him. There's that separationism, right? We've got Jesus with his material body and we've got the Christ who came from heaven and entered Jesus at the baptism. Um, the redemption that descended upon Jesus is the dove and redeemed him for redemption was necessary even for Jesus. Jesus thereby provided a model of the saved person that anyone who wanted to be saved could follow. Jesus was saved by becoming a manifestation of Christ, a manifestation of the emanation of God, that lesser God even, even then, um, which in Gnostic perspective was something that anybody could do if he or she achieved Gnosis. Uh, that's what Gnosis was, after all, mystical union with God, spiritual union with God. Uh, in the words of the Gospel of Truth, this is another uh, Gnostic text. He, Jesus, was nailed to a tree, and he became fruit of the knowledge, Gnosis of the Father. This fruit of the tree, however, did not bring destruction when it was eaten, but rather it caused those who ate of it to come into being. You're not truly being, and there's lots of this within Gnostic texts. The world didn't really come into being until Christ entered into it. So you do not come into being until you get this Gnosis. They were joyful in this discovery, and he found themselves with him, himself, and they found him within themselves. So, we've got some idea now of this, you know, the, the basic thoughts of, uh, of Gnostics. Um, now we're, we're going to take that hard left turn. Um, as I was reading through this, and as I was looking at these, uh, the, the source material, I began to see a lot of parallel uh, with current day uh, transgender ideology um, and how closely a lot of these, uh, th these ideas about separation between spirit and body, uh, the evilness and the wrongness, the mistake of these, the physical world um, paralleled a lot of what I was hearing and what I've heard from uh, folks who are either are trans activists or uh, trans people themselves. And so I decided then to take that principle that I had applied to learning more about Gnostics uh, and started reading a lot of uh, source material from trans activists and, and trans folks. Uh, even um, items on official government websites, uh, official websites of uh, non-governmental organizations that have lots and lots of power uh, and influence, including the Human Rights Campaign, which we're going to hear from in a little bit. But I want to take a look the, you know, those basic tenets of Gnosticism that we've been talking about, and I want to look at it through a little bit of a different lens. Oh, no, no. Wait a minute, am I going the wrong way? No, no, here, on. Come on, come on. No, it's, well, this will kill a little bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get it to go forward. Oh, I'm hitting the wrong thing, aren't I? Yeah. Here's me the whole time, guys. Okay, so. This is from, oh, okay, so I want to take first a um, uh, couple of uh, moments to, well, yeah, let's go back there. So I want to take a couple of moments to first talk about the uh, basic tenets of Gnosticism um, through that slightly different lens that I was talking about. So redemption versus management. Uh, the physical world, all matter is a mistake. 
the world came into being through a mistake. The creator wanted, I think, yeah, 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 that's it. Um, wanted to make it incorruptible and immortal, but he failed and did not get what he hoped for. Right? Uh, for the world is not incorruptible, and the creator of the world is not incorruptible. Things are not incorruptible, but offspring are. Nothing can receive incorruptibility unless it is an offspring. I don't know what that means exactly. And whatever cannot receive certainly cannot give. This is from the Gospel of Philip. The, the most important part there, the world came into being through a mistake. Nothing material was created with good intent. There is no ultimate or good purpose for the material world. Physicality can therefore be disregarded or regarded with distaste. So if that's the case, then this is all there is for the body. There is no redemption. The physical body is a tomb. It's evil. It's wrong. So there is no redemption, at least physically. This paves way for management of the body. Remember, it's redemption versus management. If the body isn't what I want it to be, if it doesn't perform the way I want it to, uh, it is therefore up to me to deconstruct and reconstruct the body as I see fit. Second point, disori disorientation. So this is the body and the spirit disentwined, the separationism, duality. The Gospel of Philip expresses the Gnostics' anti-cosmicism. That uh, literally means against the world. Winter is the world, summer is the other, the eternal realm. This is a separation of the body and the spirit uh, slash soul. So it's an elevation of perceived identity over physical reality. Remember, physical reality is evil. We don't want physical reality. There is no redemption for physical reality. In fact, the perception is more real because the body is a lie, the body is a tomb, the world is a mistake, than the physical reality as we've seen above in that there is no good purpose for physicality. So now we're going to move on. We're going to go to uh, transactivists in their own words. We've seen ancient Gnostics in their own words, modern Gnostics in their own words, and now we move on to transactivists. This is from Laurel Walmsley, A Guide to Gender Identity Terms. Sex refers to a person's biological status and is typically assigned at birth, usually on the basis of external anatomy. Sex is typically categorized as male, female, or intersex. So the basic idea there is that they can be wrong. Gender is often defined as a social construct of norms, behaviors, and roles that varies between societies and over time. Gender is often categorized as male, female, or non-binary. So the idea there is that this physical world uh, that is a mistake and is wrong has placed these, uh, th the, these gender norms onto people and may, uh, causes them then to, con to conform to gender norms uh, across you know, societies uh, all throughout this evil world, and that is wrong. It's wrong to impose this, this physical world onto what is essentially a spiritual being. Um, you can go on. G gender identity is one's own internal sense of self and their gender, whether that is man, woman, neither, or both. Unlike gender expression, gender identity is not outwardly visible to others. Yeah, that's the difference, right? You have the spiritual and the physical. There is, there is separation between the two. You cannot tell what gender a person is just by looking at them. 
You have to ask them because it's more important what they perceive inside. Transgender, or simply trans, is an adjective used to describe someone who's, I think that's actually the next slide. Uh, An adjective describes somebody whose gender identity differs from the sex assigned at birth. A transgender man, for example, is someone who was listed as a female at birth, but whose gender identity is male. Okay, that all makes sense. You get the basic Gnostic text, even within that list of of descriptive words. This thing is from the Human Rights Campaign. Trans experiences can be a, yeah, trans experiences can be a rich source through which God speaks different words, both to that person and the people around them. A message that God loves diversity and variation. A message that God invites people into collaboration and co-creating how we will move in and shape the world around us. A message that sometimes knowledge about who we are and who God made us to be can come in different stages and evolve over time. What's that sound like? Yeah. No, precisely. So this, this is from the Human Rights Campaign. It's, very, it's a recent text. Um, and it does sound a lot like uh, the message, all the messages that we're hearing today. But it, you, it, notice that sometimes knowledge... What's, a, what's, the, what's the Greek word for knowledge? Gnosis. About who we are and who God made us to be can come in different stages and evolve over time. It's Gnosticism. So again, I don't know that I have a lot of conclusion here, but I'll, I'll give you a couple of points. We need to watch our theology. We need to understand who we are in relation to God and to his character and who God made us to be. Ken Riddlebarger, Kim, 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 I, I said Ken, didn't I? Uh, the, I told you it was, there were a lot of errors in this thing. Yeah. Um, any scheme which depreciates the body and mind, which correspondingly elevates the spiritual without due regard to the fact that God the Holy Spirit works through the means that God himself has created, is in fact deeply influenced by the Gnostic impulse. There is always a real danger in divorcing what God has joined together, no matter how well intended we are, and no matter how fashionable and spiritual, uh, how spa- fashionable spirituality may be. The Gnostic impulse lurks behind every attempt to build a ladder to heaven, and we must be careful to avoid its destructive influence. So, this is from Gnosticism Explained, the website. So, the doctrine of the salvation of the spirit apart from the body which is now so mainstream in Christianity that it's taken for granted by most Christians, was the view of the Gnostics. Even if some of the specifics differed, the proto-Orthodox, by contrast, condemned that idea as heresy. We imagine that they would be aghast at its prevalence in Christianity today. Now, within Reformed circles, of course, this is not the case, but by and large, there's this idea of a spiritual salvation in the broader evangelical church that is not accompanied by a uh, redemption of the physical body. You can see that in the, you know, um, uh, the, well, they're, they're you know, talk about sources on that. Uh, Andy Stanley is one. Um, so I'll tell you about a conversation that I had, and, and I think we're running low on time here, um, with someone who is very near and dear to me, who grew up in the church, uh, who w- 
did not know when we were having a, a you know, theological con con pardon me, conversation that Christ was eternally human, uh, that he was united to humanity at a point in time uh, and that will be human for the rest of eternity. Um, she didn't know this. It was a completely foreign concept to her. So one of the beauties and the true jewels of the gospel is that our Savior is now seated at the right hand of God, united together forever as the God-man, our intercessor, our mediator on our behalf, and soon our, our brother and soon to be our, our groom. And disconnecting spirit, spirit from, from physicality just opens the door uh, for Gnosticism into the church and eventually for acceptance of ideas like knowledge about who we are and who God made us to be can come over time and evolve. That's it. Questions? Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And then I, I have some sort of relatives, not blood relatives. I want to make that clear. <laughs> oh, I have some relatives, and they were Mormons growing up in southern Idaho in Twin Falls. And they sort of transitioned. Is that, should I use that word in today's <laughs> world? They, 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 they transitioned. Uh, and their, their point evolved to a higher level of this Gnosticism, and now they're more like uh, point I on page three of salvation. They, they're, they're very extremely Gnostic mm. uh, beliefs that are mixed in with, you know, they love Shirley MacLaine out on a limb. They're out on a limb, and they have really strange ideas. When I would talk to them, it would just boggle my mind. But, you know, that's, that's a religion that has worked its way into Christianity and mm. claims to be in it. Made, has made lots of inroads and has is, is made it harder to deal with them sometimes. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, anyway. Well, thanks, Bruce. Barb? I really appreciate all the things you brought up. Uh, but if anybody is interested in further information, I would highly recommend Peter Jones. Mm, yes. He's kind of on the cutting edge of the current pagan heart in our uh, culture and the resurrection of, and you brought that up, you know, that this is fast, this is carried forward, and that's exactly what we're looking at, but it really broadens your understanding whether you hear, he, actually he's done some, uh, tapes, I guess, or audio for Ligonier. Yes. But at the same time, his books are well worth. In fact, we actually had him one time as a visitor. Oh. Uh, some years ago when we were over in the, I don't know, on Oki. But nonetheless, it's a great follow-up because it helps put together all of this information that you've just shared. Well, thanks, Barb. Yeah. Brittany? Um, because, you know, even 20 year years ago, my parents, they brought up homosexuality in a very passing, very mm. passing thing. They told us the very basics and that obviously this isn't godly, but that's all we needed because it wasn't prevalent. It wasn't being thrown in our face. And 
Ella's seven, and I've already had to discuss what transgenderism, not in detail, but I, I, I love the idea that you said go knowing the real money from the fake money mm. is going back and you know making sure we catechize our children and that we read them scripture and that they know scripture and they know hymns, but not, not just knowing them, but then moving them to the next step and inoculating them mm. and saying, this is what you're going to hear from the world. But this is what that, you know, when we compare this to scripture, this is what God says. And I think with Christian parents, a lot of times we're afraid to, to let children know what's going on in the world. And while I obviously don't want my child aware of all the evil there is, she's going to hear it. Yeah. I had to explain why we weren't going to ra- buy a rainbow cup from the store. Um, <laughs> that, was a, that was a weird converse- conversation. And then she was terrified. She's like, well, I colored a rainbow when we had to discuss God made the rainbow. You can color the rainbow. Well, colors are good, but we're not going to buy that particular one. Yeah. And this is why. And so I think, it, you know, just as parents, knowing that we're going to have to inoculate our children because if we don't, the world is going to give it to them full, you know, it, not to bring the vaccine stuff into this, but the idea of a vaccine, we're going to bring this in in small doses and we're going to teach you about it from a Christian perspective, because if we don't, the world is going to give it to them yes. full blast. Yeah. No, good point. Last, uh, last thought. Jessica. I understand, yeah. Um, she specifically, and older trans people, call themselves transsexual because they say, my brain is broken, basically. I have a mental disorder, and this surgery sort of treats it. And that's sort of the old way of looking at it. And and now people, it's, t- it's like everything you've been saying, it's so different from that, like, it, it there are some people out there that still regard it as a mental disorder. And, th- and she even says, like, I wish there was a cure for it, you know, and if there was ever a cure. So I just think it's interesting. And also, <laughs> just like two weeks ago, I was watching Ridley Jones, which is a preschool show mm. for preschoolers, and there was a non-binary yak as the as most yaks and are. I was like, my jaw was like on the floor. Yeah. And just so every parent knows, you can block individual shows on Netflix. That's yeah. <laughs> no, I know. We we were what, what Super Kitties had uh, two two duck dads. Tanner, did you have your hand up? No. Okay. Just okay. all right. Uh, let's uh, let's close in prayer. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for um, uh, your word. Uh, thank you that it strengthens us. That it provides us with. Uh, um, a, a, a sight into your character and, and your will, and thank you for the Holy Spirit which uh, resides in us that we may um, be uh, strong through these um, uh, odd times. Uh, come quickly, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen.